from Hanover, welcome to All the Difference, Conversations with Dartmouth Changemakers. I'm Tracy Dustin Eichler, Director of the Dartmouth Center for Social Impact. Our Dartmouth alumni forge careers of impact and demonstrate that there are many roads to change making. As leaders and innovators across the social sector, business, and government, they make meaningful progress on our world's most complex challenges. And we want to hear all the ways they do it. At the Center for Social Impact, we educate Dartmouth students to become the next generation of changemakers. This podcast is for them and all those who seek to make an impact. Thanks for listening, and now here's our host, DCSI Assistant Director Henry Doe Rosario. In this episode, I interview Oliver Edelson, Class of 2018. Oliver currently serves as Legislative Director for Congressman Chris Pappas, 1st District of New Hampshire where he develops and leads the congressman's policy agenda. He also manages Representative Pappas' service on the House Committee on Transportation and Infrastructure. So, Oliver, um, here in this interview, I, I would love to dive into the specific social challenges that you felt drawn to tackle. Like during Dartmouth or before or even, you know, going into graduation, what was the social challenge you were, you were interested in tackling? Well, from a young age, what really drove me was my concern for climate change and a drive for climate action, uh, which is what I studied while at Dartmouth. I was an environmental studies major. Uh, and then as I transitioned out, uh, chose to enter public service because of concern for uh, developing a strong and durable climate policy. Uh, you know, building on, on that and, and, and you know, I think climate is a broad thing, and one thing that I've really learned uh, is 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 part and parcel in in any good policy is uh, protecting our institutions. And I think through my five years in government service, that's something that I, I think is uh, of equal relevance to my climate uh, focus is 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 advancing you know and protecting our institutions and democracy and and civic engagement. That's really interesting um, and relevant. And I'm guessing, you know, you didn't you didn't have a sense that that is what was going to be important to you, maybe going into college or, you know, you, you maybe had some idea of how to get involved with climate action. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, that transformation or or, yeah, maybe starting in high school, what your interest in, in climate action looked like to, to now and, and why things sure. changed if they did? It really started, and I trace it back to being uh, in fifth grade, and oh, wow. <laughs> uh, my, I think we were in like a health class, and we, and my teacher showed us King Corn uh, and Food Inc. and a lot of these food-based health and climate movies that talked about the concerns with, uh, you know, large-scale agriculture and both its impacts on human health, but also on the climate, and, and I was... Uh, pretty floored by this. It was it was a total revelation for me. Uh, and I grew up in a family that loved to cook, and I grew up in New York City, and I'd never really thought about where all the food that my family ate, where it came from, where did the broccoli or the chicken or, or what have you come from. And I kind of spent my middle school into high school and even college experience exploring that and understanding more, and I kind of transitioned that into a concern about uh, you know, the, the climate impacts of our food system. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I've, you know, n transitioned from that seedling into a broader <laughs> concern for 
climate action broadly and climate change, but I really trace all of that back to being the fifth grader in class watching King Corn and, and, and sort of seeing for the first time, sort of putting concepts together and seeing the impacts that, that humans can have on, on the world around us. Well, shout out to that fifth grade teacher. Um, shout out to all teachers, actually. <laughs> Truly, yeah. Yeah, um, very underappreciated generally, um, but clearly having significant impact on, on individuals' lives. Um, so, okay, that, that makes sense. Can you talk a little bit more about what you did at Dartmouth as, as a student that kind of you know pulled you in different directions or, or helped you um, yeah. pull that larger thread around mm-hmm. um, food systems and, and the like? Yeah. I came into Dartmouth completely undecided on what I wanted to do. Uh, but I ended up taking classes and getting involved in activities that really aligned with that, that interest that I just talked about, sort of the intersection of food systems and the environment. And by the time I entered my sophomore year, I kind of realized that that was sort of hiding under my nose the whole time, that that was what I wanted <laughs> to do. So that's why I became an environmental studies major. I, uh, spent three years doing research at, uh, on sustainable aquaculture and how we can make fish feeds more sustainable. And then outside of the classroom, I was very involved at the Center for Social Impact with Growing Change, which is a farm to school education program and served as student director uh, my senior year for, uh, for Growing Change, which was a really meaningful uh, activity for me and a really good uh, community during, during my time at Dartmouth. Uh, and so that's sort of how I brought all of that together. In addition, on sort of my first inklings of, of policy, uh, was during the 2016 presidential campaign, uh, uh, I helped lead uh, a food policy reform campaign uh, on Dartmouth's campus called Play to the Union, which taught students we were an issue-based rather than a a candidate-based campaign. Mm -hmm. And our our goal was to elevate the importance of all the things I've talked about, why food policy is so important, and push the presidential candidates during that cycle to create a national food policy. And you know, while unfortunately the results of that election did not lead to a president who created a national food policy along the lines of what uh, you know, I was motivated to, to advance, it was my first taste at, at campaign work. And it really was a good way to meet my classmates where they were and talk about this issue that I really cared about and see the impact that it could have as people were preparing to for many Dartmouth students, go into the voting booth for their first time and sort of elevate an issue that I really cared about and help other students see that as something that they should be considering as they're, uh, you know, engaging in the democratic process as well. So is it fair to say that you kind of, you know, you saw the the potential in in policy and and the effect they could have in in solving an issue? Is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah, I think I started to see that, but I think I mostly really began to see that it's kind of you need you need the negative to see the positive here and and I think for me it was seeing I'd grown up during a lot of time with a presidential administration and Congress that believed in climate action maybe not to the degree that uh, you know I would I would want but still sort of agreed with it and then after the 2016 presidential campaign I became very concerned about the state of science in policymaking with an administration that didn't uh, align with my values in terms of elevating the role of peer-reviewed science and climate action in policymaking. And I think that seeing the negative impact policy could have, uh, that bad policy could have, Mm -hmm. uh, inspired me to sort of try to 
change who was in Congress, who was in the White House, and what role they placed in the value of science-based policymaking. Well, that's, I'll, I'll take that as a good news story. Um, I, I would say there are you know, a lot of young people, let's say especially, that are, that are interested in, in changing how things are, but maybe don't think or don't have enough faith <laughs> in the system, let's call it, um, in policy um, to, to be the avenue for that change. So why do you feel like it, you, know, you saw, you saw the, the power and potential of it there? I think I saw role models who really inspired me and who, uh, when the going got tough, uh, didn't give up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think I think there's value for people who see where they can have the greatest impact. Uh, there, there are a lot of people who create change on the local level or within the private sector that are making huge steps and advancements that inform federal policy. Uh, you know, the federal bureaucracy is slow and moves uh, at a snail's pace, but when you can, it's like, uh, you know, when you move the ship, uh, the, the cruise ship and you just, it takes a long time to turn, but that's a huge mass. And so when you make that slight turn, you can have a huge impact. And I think that was what kind of motivated me was being able to see that and take classes at Dartmouth, uh, on science policy that really inspired me to see the power that, 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 we, we could have if we mm-hmm. put the incentives in the right place. Mm-hmm. That's, that's great to hear. So, yeah, so, you know, halfway through your, your college career, let's call it 2016 election, you graduate in 2018. And so did you know at that point did you, that you wanted to get into politics? I had no idea. Uh, <laughs> uh, I had no idea my freshman winter, what I, uh, excuse me, senior winter, what I wanted to do. Uh, I was graduating. I remember I was graduating in just a few months, and I sort of knew that I wanted to keep this this through line of doing something on climate, uh, but didn't know what that looked like. I loved the research that I did and thought maybe I should pursue research. Maybe I should go to grad school, or maybe I should explore more of this policy work. And I was in a science policy class uh, with an amazing professor uh, Professor Melody Birkins, and she w- is one of the rare people who had the full range of experiences that I was potentially pursuing. She was mm-hmm. and is a PhD geologist, an amazing scientist who fo- focuses on the Arctic. She also had spent time uh, working for Senator Patrick Leahy from Vermont uh, and obviously had pursued higher education beyond a uh, bachelor's degree. And so she had those experiences, and I went into office hours because I was taking a science policy class with her. And I, it was one of those classes that really clicked mm-hmm. um, where I s- saw everything and, and it was great and exciting and the assignments felt tangible and relevant to the world. And it just was an amazing experience. And so I went to office hours and I sort of poured out my soul and said, I have no idea what I want to do with my <laughs> life. I'm graduating in a few months. Here are the angles. And, and, and she sort of sat back and said, I think you should go work on the Hill. And just that gave me the confidence to say, you know what? You sort of like, I tried it on for size. I'm like, this feels good. Yeah. Uh, I had never worked on the Hill. I'd never interned on the Hill. I didn't know the first thing about the, what to do to get to a job. Mm-hmm. And so I started talking to people from that moment. And by the time I graduated, I had secured an, inter- an internship on the Hill, 
uh, which is the first step to getting hired. Can I stop you there? What do you mean by talking to people? Can you walk us through what what, what does that mean? I figured out and networked my way to find, I had a a friend who was a 16 who worked in the Senate. Uh uh, And so I reached out to her and said, uh, who actually had been involved in growing change. uh, uh, And I talked to her and she put me in touch with other people uh, who uh, worked on Capitol Hill. And so I started to build a network and, and, and learn both about what their jobs were to really figure out if I want to do it. And then also uh, learn about how they made those first inroads. Uh, mm-hmm. And what I learned there was you really need to intern first. You need to get in the door. Mm-hmm. The hiring process is quick and kind of opaque. So it's better to be there and then build your network and learn because it's all about who you know. Mm-hmm. And one of those people that I talked to uh, worked for Representative Annie Custer, who represents the second district of New Hampshire. And I was talking to her and she was like, oh, well, we're actually hiring for an internship program. And within a week, I had secured that internship uh, and was moving to to DC after graduation to be an intern. Uh, and this was right before a midterm election uh, when the whole house is up for re-election. Uh-huh. And uh, Congresswoman Custer and a few other people had 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 told me that, you know, you sh- maybe you should go work on my campaign. And that was something I'd never really thought about. And I ended up uh, – enough people told me that I was like, OK, I should believe them. Uh, and I they recommended this uh, this person from the other district of New Hampshire, this – uh, state elected official named Chris Pappas, who was running for Congress in an open seat in a very competitive district. And I talked to a few people on his team. They said, Chris is great. He has a great chance of winning. We need all the people we can get. Uh, and those conversations happened a Thursday and a Friday. And by Sunday, I was in New Hampshire working on his campaign and moved back up here. Wow. Uh, so it took a lot of uh, turns. Uh, but that's, you know, it's sort of once you start building the network, it kind of uh, is the snowball effect where yeah. you meet one person who introduces you to two more, and those two people introduce you to two more each. So you're at four people, <laughs> uh, uh, which now feels like a math equation. But uh, that's kind of how the networking works, and and you get to learn and build that network that I still utilize today in my in my role. That's yeah, that's amazing to hear about. I mean, again, I'll give a shout out to to educators um, as role models. They seem to be making a big big difference in people's lives. I mean, obviously that's, um, that, that is true. Uh, and also maybe people wanting to help other people enter a space. Um, it sounds like, you know, I'm sure not all of those people were, were Dartmouth alums, just, just people that, you know, want to help bring in fresh energy and totally the space, which is great to hear. Um, well, so quick, you know, maybe side question, but is, is working on a campaign, is that some kind of rite of passage in the, you know, in the in the national political sphere to a degree uh-huh. it's looked upon very favorably <laughs> okay and politics is a team sport uh it takes a lot of effort for any elected official to get into that office it doesn't just happen they have to win the trust of their uh, fellow citizens and so to say that you've been on the ground and done the unglorious work of of campaigns and it's certainly nothing like the west wing uh, in that, you know, you're not writing these amazing policy speeches and going out and talking 
to people about the big ideas. You're you're going to my first day on 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 uh, my now boss's campaign. I uh, had to go to the city dump and 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 pick out uh, our campaign's lawn signs that had been discarded because we were running on fumes financially and needed wow. every sign we could get. And so I went and had to you know <laughs> pour over. Uh, other campaign signs and trash to pick them out and, and get them and re- and 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 rehab them. Uh, and so I think people know what it takes to do that hard work. Doing any no task too big or too small to right. get elected. That that it's really happens on campaigns. So I think people look really favorably upon you know those who have done that work. Yeah, that makes sense. I'll maybe pivot off of one of the points you made that that politics is a team sport and i know you didn't mean it in this context but um in terms of it being you know the national team and us all working together to you know for the betterment of our collective society mm-hmm. how is that going these days in, in dc or, or what are you seeing we're seeing a lot of division mm-hmm. uh to be blunt uh even in the five years since i've uh worked in congress i think that we've seen more distrust uh, broadly than than we historically have seen uh, due to uh, events and the continued increase of uh, the tone of politics of that it's a zero-sum game. And I'm lucky to have worked. I've worked for two members of Congress, and uh, both of them have the view that I think the majority of members have, which is they just want to do what's right for their districts. They mm-hmm. want to make the people they represent, which on average each House member represents about 800,000 people, they want to make that those people's lives a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're motivated by that. They might have slightly different worldviews across parties, uh, but you know, my boss serves on the Veterans Affairs Committee, on the Small Business Committee, and on the Transportation and Infrastructure Committees. And those those three committees all still are able to advance bipartisan policy, and I think that's what gives people hope is when they're seeing, sure, it might not be the biggest, broadest policy ever, but if we're advancing small things that when you add up and lay, layer them on top of each other, we're making a difference. And when we're seeing that Republicans and Democrats are working together, uh, they might, they might, we might disagree with another office 99% of the time, but that means there's 1% of policy that we, we agree on and in the world, 1% of the world is, is a lot of stuff and a lot yeah. of material that we can work together on. So I think that's what we see those glimmers of hope where members are working across the aisle to, to, to make a difference, uh, and, 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 and do those things and those can really add up. So I'm hopeful that we'll continue to see that, that we'll see backlash from a lot of the toxic, uh, you know, frontline stories that we're seeing and, and mm-hmm. people will see the need that we need to elect representatives and representatives need to act in a way that is really representative of how the American people feel and, and want their politics to work, which is they just they just want to make their lives a little bit better. Yeah. I, I mean no secret that things feel divisive or, or are divisive right now. Um, and I think that, you know, you're kind of talking or speaking to, I think, the w- within the chamber, let's say. But I feel like that divisiveness is also coming from 
this distrust of institutions of of you know our, our political structure and which you've highlighted as kind of maybe a, a somewhat new mm-hmm. social issue that you're really passionate about can you speak about you know wh- why that's resonating with with you personally yeah well when i was at dartmouth i think we started to see some erosion of that and and one of the reasons and one of the draws that dartmouth had and why i came here was to be able to uh, vote in the first in the nation primary state <laughs> and meet all the candidates who are going to come to campus and and talk to students, um, and we've seen efforts to uh, sow distrust in our voting system, which I think has uh, both who can vote, who belongs in a state, uh, uh, whether we can trust the uh, the results of our election, which is the bedrock of our democracy, and seeing those, those are precursors, protecting our democracy is a precursor to any other issue you want to be addressing through, uh, through our, through our democratic institutions, Mm -hmm. either at the local level, state level, or the federal level. And so if you don't trust that elections are free and fair, how do you trust the policy that those elected officials are creating? And so protecting our democracy is really I've seen how important that is and also how important it is to as an element in addressing what we were just talking about in people seeing the division and putting their hands up and saying this is this is too much. I just mm-hmm. want to walk away from it. But if we can make sure that people feel like when they go into the voting booth that they can have an impact, uh, that that can help repair democracy. Yeah, I appreciate the the hopeful message there. The, the Center for Social Impact and Dartmouth broadly, we, we hope that we're helping prepare students to become change makers in society um, and that we're sort of a launch pad for that. Um, and so with that in mind, what's your advice for students now? Are there things that maybe they could be doing to prepare themselves um, to be a change maker in society or anything else that you'd like to say in that regard? You know, one piece of advice that I think college students often feel and Dartmouth students especially, ambitious young people, feel the need to have everything in place as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get to college, and what's next after college is your career. So as soon as you're in college, you need to be thinking about that and prepping yourself and going on that linear path of growth that will get you and launch you into whatever you want to pursue. And I think the big piece of advice that I tell any college student I talk to is, is be patient. Uh-huh. Let it come to you. Do what motivates you. I think for me, I joined Growing Change not – I didn't think, oh, this will give me all the tools to be successful. I joined it because I thought it would be really f- fun and interesting to work with kids and get involved in the community. And I ended up learning a ton of lessons. And then in terms of tangible skills, I think there's nothing more valuable in you know your involvement outside the classroom than becoming a leader mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and developing leadership skills. And so I always tell people – Focus on on the f- the few activities at the classroom that that really motivate you, and become a leader in those. You know, help direct curriculum for a center for social impact organization. Be the captain of your club sport team. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of those things. While sure, I'm not you know teaching members of Congress about photosynthesis, but the fact that I have that experience, that I built a lesson plan, that I worked with. Uh, parents and teachers and other Dartmouth students and Dartmouth administrators to make sure that the growing change program was successful, 
managing those various constituencies and being a leader there is directly applicable to what I do now. Uh, it's those it's those skills that I can take with me and transfer. And so it's it's you know just being patient, letting things come to you, and and really trying to see those opportunities where you can you can lead and gain those skills because I think you you will learn a lot of lessons by by doing that and having that experience while you're still in school and having the support around you of your classmates and other uh, you know students and and staff and 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 faculty here. Thank you for joining us, Oliver. Really appreciate your time. Thank you, Henry.